0: Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For any authorship and writing, be sure to check out arcticicehockey.com. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. We're available for you every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we'll be recapping Winnipeg's trip through the St. Louis Blues territory in uh, what was a pretty interesting game because I feel like there was a lot that I loved about it and a lot that I hated, and they kind of come in two distinct halves, I would say. So, let's start with the first half because that's the pretty decent half. I felt like when the Jets came out in the first couple of periods, I would say like the first period and a half... They were actually very competent. They've been doing this more recently where they've looked like an NHL team. And, you know, I don't mean that jokingly. I mean, the Jets actually played functional attacking hockey with good slot offense, good passing, a couple of dangerous scoring opportunities right in front of Jordan Bennington, um, good defensive zone exits, some good defensive zone disruptions of passing lanes and things like that. These are fundamental things that the Jets have struggled with this season. For all intents and purposes, Winnipeg played a fairly even game against the Blues for at least a, an early chunk of the game. I think that even though the shot clock was a little bit in favor of, uh, of the Blues, St. Louis had to take shots from further out, and uh, the Jets' forwards were kind of finding their way between the Blues' D, who were a little more passive and not quite able to contain Winnipeg's forwards, especially the third line, I would say, which was the kopp and Harkins line. The top six, though, had a couple of great chances, and the first line, especially, though it has defensive issues and occasionally guys aren't on the same page, can definitely hit you on the counter. And Winnipeg had a couple of opportunities with that line, um, where Patrick Laine would come down the central slot area as a trailing shooter, forced Bennington into a couple of really hard saves. Ultimately, though, the first guy to break the ice for the scoring was actually Jansen Harkins recording his first NHL career goal, which was quite a nice one. Um, Harkins has been, in my opinion, one of the best depth forwards for the Jets in recent times, and so he's kind of been, uh, I don't know, waiting to, to really make his mark on this team, and he's gotten close a couple of opportunities, but hitting pay dirt has been a little bit elusive for him. In this scenario, he came around through the side of the net, um, I would say off like the left flank area. There was a Jets forward in deep already, I think it might have been Cop, and Cop had created the space, Harkins fills in and gets the puck, and then takes a look and sees that there's no other real passing option to take the shot. So Harkins kind of lines up Bennington's um, upper right shoulder. There's like a small space near the short side, and he just snipes and roofs a beautiful shot. I think most would say that Bennington maybe needs to elevate his shoulders a bit to try and block that, but it's also just a really great shot, and I think Bennington really wasn't expecting it, nor was he set for it, uh, and it was really a nice, deft little piece of skill from Harkins. I have to say that Janssen has continued to impress me with uh, a good work ethic, he's got a nice forecheck, um, he's got pretty decent edge work, he's not exactly the fastest skater, but he's he's pretty okay for what you need him to do. He's got good passing and good vision, and apparently a pretty pretty decent shot. On the whole this season, like, his underlying metrics are kind of rough depending on which line he's playing on, but he's really starting to carve out a role between Roslovic and Kopp on that third line, and they've been a very skilled, almost like second shutdown line, but with some offensive upside. Over the past couple of games, they've consistently been able to create a lot more offense and scoring opportunities than some of the other lines have, and it just seems like there's a lot of work, a lot of skill, some crafty attacking of space and spatial awareness, and Harkins has been a key cog of that. Things were going pretty okay for the Jets, and then they ended up getting a power play. But unfortunately, discipline tonight was something of an issue for the Jets. Uh, just as their power play started to get underway, they kind of submarined it with another penalty, this one that they took. So it went to 4v4, and then I think it was Ehlers who took another penalty to drop it to 4v3. And by this point, the Blues ended up getting a um, a 5-on-3 power play opportunity, which... The Jets were a little bit lucky to survive, I would say. St. Louis fired a number of decent opportunities wide, and Hellebuck was very sharp on the other chances where they found, you know, tough angles in front of the net, or um, he managed to get his blocker up or or make some good glove reads. So he was pretty busy. The Jets did take quite a few penalties tonight and, and were very fortunate that they didn't get bitten. But after that first couple of penalties, things sort of settled back in. The Jets again looked more... I don't know, capable of of playing NHL hockey and playing evenly against the St. Louis squad. And that, for the most part, continued through the second period where both teams were exchanging scoring opportunities. But the Jets, I mean, as long as they play evenly against teams like St. Louis, I'm very okay with that. I don't expect Winnipeg to be perfect. I mean, this defense is still kind of a train wreck. And right now, we don't have enough play driving forwards. So, you know, you're going to give up opportunities, probably high quality chances and in great volume. But I felt like the Jets did for the most part, enough to limit those opportunities, especially early in the second period. St. Louis, though, eventually did start to create some pressure, mostly just through some offensive zone possession, and uh, at some point, the Jets did take a a bit of a bad penalty. Now, the Jets were up 2-0 at this point because Liney had gotten something of an empty net goal, Uh, so the Jets had a 2-0 cushion, but we've all seen that when the Jets have a lead, they start to shell up and, and start surrendering a lot more scoring opportunities against which we did see after they went up 2-0. They started to retreat a bit in their defensive zone, and um, the Blues got a little bit more offensive zone possession, mostly just carrying the puck and cycling it, which is not really all that effective. Kairou at one point was leading the charge, but then what really changed the balance of this period was Niku taking a holding penalty, which uh, sometimes he gets called on things that he probably shouldn't, I think that this one was probably earned and coming just because the Blues were starting to skate around the Jets' defenders a lot. The Jets' PK didn't really handle uh, Colton Pareko all that well. He ended up scoring and, and pull, pulling it back within one. And then from there, the Blues just started creating a ton of offensive pressure uh, and and really pushing the Jets deeper and deeper into the defensive zone with a ton of shots from all angles. I think St. Louis had something like 10 straight shots before Winnipeg managed to record the next shot and break that streak, and then even then it wasn't a streak that was broken for very long because the Blues went right back to work. But uh, St. Louis ended up tying it on a Carl Gunnarsson deflection that seemingly found its way off of a stick from Blake Wheeler. Wheeler was tied up in front of the net, and he couldn't really disengage and move out of the way, and the puck just sort of tipped off the edge of his stick and went at a bit of an odd angle before Hellebuck realized it was deflected and changing, uh, and Sanford was tied up with him and ensured that Wheeler really couldn't move, and so just like that, the chaos that the Blues were hoping to capitalize on ended up working out in their favor. The back half of the second period saw St. Louis kind of dominating the Jets for long stretches, where it just seemed like the Jets really couldn't exit their own defensive zone, and every time they tried to... The Blues would immediately turn the puck over and force it back in. St. Louis is kind of a funny team in that defensively, they're usually pretty stout, and offensively, they just kind of they throw everything at the kitchen sink and hope that something kind of checks out for them to get a rebound goal or create a dangerous scoring opportunity from one of the sharp angles around the sides of the net or directly in the low slot off of a second-chance opportunity. Unfortunately for them, Hellebuck was very sharp tonight, and I feel like Connor has been recently very good for the Jets. He's starting to look more like he did in the first half of the season, especially early on, and he's been very sharp. He's been keeping this team in it, even when the Jets haven't been playing all that well. Um, And, like, I wouldn't say that the Blues created a ton of of low-slot, high-danger opportunities, but a lot of the point shots and from distance were from pretty big shooters like Colton Pareko and, uh, you know, Perron. A couple of those guys were wristing really hard shots um, from really weird angles that were kind of bouncing around. And historically, those pucks kind of find themselves in the fun spots in front of the Jets defenders who don't really clear them out. But this time, the Jets were able to survive a lot of these opportunities, either by blocking the shots, deflecting them just wide so that they didn't get to uh, the waiting blue skaters, or just making sure that they, they tried to carry it out and at least get a, a little bit of a zone dump before they try to do a line change or something. This went on even into the start of the third period, but a, a couple of times the Jets would have like a, a zone exit and a little bit of an offensive zone push, and it usually came from like, I would say the third line or something. I think Cop's line did most of the transition work for the evening. That third line with Harkins and tow has been very solid, and I feel like um, I've been impressed with how they've handled the pressure. I think that they've added scoring depth to a team that definitely needs it right now because the top six kind of goes in and out of of looking effective. I would say that Wheeler's line is really struggling. Aylers is doing all of the heavy lifting, and unfortunately Wheeler and Appleton are not as good as you'd hope. Appleton can drive towards the net, but he's not really a high-end, high-skill player. He's kind of a little bit like Brandon Tanev in some respects. He can be effective if you have the right line mates, but I feel like Wheeler's on the slower side, and Ehlers has to do everything by himself. It's a good thing that Nick is so good at hockey, because otherwise that line would probably be submarining every single shift. And it's not like Wheeler himself is playing poorly, it's just that he's not really creating a whole lot of offense either. For me, he's kind of, I wouldn't say dead weight, but he's sort of a, a neutral presence. And I'm not really sure if moving back to wing is going to change that, because he still looks a step slower than, slower than he should be, so... I don't know, it's just kind of mediocre to me. The third line, though, continues to be one of Winnipeg's stronger offensive drivers, I would say, over the past few weeks, Uh, and they were able to at least alleviate some of the offensive pressure against for the Jets and create some offensive zone time on the other end, which is important because the Jets right now, of course, their defense is a little bit scrappy, a little bit uh, under the knife tonight they actually lost Lucas Ibiza on a blocked shot where his knee kind of took the brunt of a a wrister I think from David Perron and he immediately went down and couldn't really get back up so the Jets defensively are really thin it's a good thing Nate Beaulieu just came back tonight because we've already lost somebody else and uh, it's getting real real hairy for the Jets I have to say but they survived the second period they survived at least to keep it tied the start of the third period and then the jets stretched the play a little bit and looked more like an nhl squad after a bad opening few minutes of the third period. The blues were able to create some really dangerous chances on the counter, but the jets for the most part were able to negotiate those. Um every time the blues f- threw a counter where they got like a, a some low slot dangerous chances or something from the side of the net, Winnipeg would then hit them with another counter and create a dangerous opportunity in the other direction. I wouldn't say that like the the back half of this game was really energetic. I think the first 20 to 30 minutes were a lot more explosive, but generally speaking, I think both teams were trading chances here and there and trying their best to at least, if nothing else, um, squeeze out a few opportunities before overtime and then see if they could at least salvage a point. Ironically, though, Winnipeg's third line ended up being the difference maker, this time with Roslovik and, and Harkins creating some chaos off of the right flank. With Harkins steaming across the front of the crease, Kopp ended up being in the right position at the right time, and with the puck freed from Harkins, he, like, I think, like, slid it between his legs or something and just shot it backwards, almost, almost like a back drop pass, and there was, like, a couple of defenders... Um Hanging over Bennington, so it didn't really have great mobility, and the puck went off of Bennington's pad and into the net it's a really greasy goal where you want to clear the crease, but you just don't have the mobility and you're restricted by everyone standing on top of you before you even realize that the puck is going in and you don't have time to react That's kind of what happened to Bennington. And this is the sort of the goal that the Jets have frequently scored. You know, Winnipeg doesn't often create a whole lot of offensive zone pressure, but when they do, they have guys who can be, if nothing else, a little bit more clinical than some of the other depth forwards that they have to face from other teams. And in this case, the Jets kind of got away with... I I would say... Look, I wouldn't say that the Jets were terrible in this game, but I think that at points they were a little overwhelmed just with the Blues' speed at times. It's not like St. Louis created a whole lot, but the Jets definitely had trouble getting to the other end of the ice. So it's important that this third line is able to take advantage of the few opportunities that the Jets had and relieve the pressure on the top six, which had an uneven night at times. The Blues did try to create more offense, again, from throwing the puck from all of these different weird angles and trying to create chaos that the Jets' D couldn't handle. But, you know, the puck would either skitter just wide or deflect off of Hellebuck at an angle where the Blues couldn't really capitalize and the Jets' D were able to recover before St. Louis was on them. So... Not too bad, I mean, they ended up getting an empty net goal from Ehlers to ice it. so I think with a 2-1-1 record in their last four games, the Jets look more like they should have at the start of the season. This team still isn't good, but it's definitely looking a little bit better than it did, at least for the first half of the season. I wouldn't say that this team is a playoff contender yet, I think that we still need to see more sustained play, but in just a moment here we're going to take a look at their next slate of games all of which the Jets have an opportunity to take more standings standings points out of and kind of pull themselves into a playoff spot because, let's face it, the West is not that great. The Jets can be decent when they have the right attacking mindset and they have the right personnel in place to make it happen. Whether or not it's going to happen is kind of a different story. And some part of me worries a little bit that they think they should be buyers, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit, and I would say that right now the Jets just need to ride what they have, see what's going on, maybe get Sandberg during the March month um, after his college season ends, and go from there. Winnipeg is now entering arguably its most pivotal stretch of the season, which already began with this 2-1-1 recent streak, so the Jets have a lot of work to do. This is a pretty busy month, but here's the thing. The Jets are all playing a ton of teams that are below them in, in quality, I think in the overall standings, and really... Just an easy schedule that the Jets should easily be able to take advantage of if Winnipeg wants a playoff spot bad enough. Winnipeg's quest to make the playoffs begins this Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. And, like, Ottawa can be a decent team from from time to time, but, like, this year, I don't know. If you're going to lose to them, which they have in the past, Winnipeg um, got thrashed by the Sens last year, then the Jets probably don't deserve to make the postseason. Let's be honest. Ottawa's a terrible team. They've had a lot of issues with a pretty young roster that's playing in over its head, and the Jets have an opportunity to get two easy points, maybe rack up the gold differential a bit, try and at least get something out of this. They then have a Sunday evening matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks, who, if all holds well and the Jets can kind of pull this off, Winnipeg should be able to push down a team that's chasing them in the standings and still has a game in hand. The Blackhawks are, well, I don't know if I would call them good because they really aren't, but they can play fun hockey, and they can cause issues for this this Jet squad. We've lost to the Blackhawks before, especially last season when things kind of got derailed. I would not count Chicago's talented scoring depth and some of those young playmakers like Debrinkat and Strom out. So, yeah, I would be uh, I'd be a little bit cautious. I mean, if Laurent Brossois goes in net, uh, he'll probably take the Suns game, and I think Hellebuck will get the Hawks because Hellebuck always does well against Chicago. So I feel like Laurent will get the easier team, but. Um, If that happens, I I, expect—I really do think that the Jets should at least get three out of four points out of these two weekend back-to-backs. If they can't, then I I don't really know what the Jets are doing at this point. Um, And then on Tuesday, they get the the New York Rangers, who I feel like if the Jets can't beat the Rangers, again, they're in trouble. New York is really struggling defensively, and their offense is a bit haywire right now. Uh, Chris Kreider's about to be traded. Their top six is in a, a state of flux. Their bottom six unit is not particularly great, so I wouldn't say it's like a super soft matchup, but as far as an easy, easy back-to-back with a follow-up game uh, just with one day of rest, I feel like that's as good as you can ask for if you're a Winnipeg. They'll then get a few days off before the San Jose Sharks come to visit on Friday, and like, the Sharks are... <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a part of the Sharks team that's, that's not broken in some way, I guess... I think the penalty kill people have said is pretty good, but the rest of this team is a total disaster, and they don't even earn their first-round pick. They're a lottery team, and they don't own their first-round pick. It's in Ottawa's possession, so if you're a Sharks fan right now, it's pretty grim, not going well, Uh, and Winnipeg will probably be smelling blood in the water, I would say. So, yeah, the Jets really need to take advantage of this next uh, couple of games, because... Uh, On the following Sunday, they actually have to play the Blackhawks again. For some reason, we have Chicago twice in seven days, both at home. Not going to complain that it's you know at least a home game. It's just kind of weird. I don't know why we'd see the same team twice. But again, another opportunity to push a team that's chasing us further down in the standings. And then on Tuesday, we see the Kings, and L.A. is... They're not as bad as they have they've you know appear to be. I mean, they're a decent team. They play fun, exciting hockey, but they just don't have a whole lot of scoring depth. There was some rumor that the Jets were chasing Alec Martinez from the Kings, but I can't really imagine that being a thing because Martinez is not particularly great, and he's definitely on the wrong side of, uh, I think, either his late 20s or early 30s. I think closer to early 30s. He's definitely not a top 4D like he used to be, and I don't think he's the kind of guy that the Jets would really be interested in taking on, even though he's still got a year left on his contract. Not really a fan of that. After that, Winnipeg then gets Ottawa, Philadelphia, and Buffalo in the span of, like, six days. And the Jets really have a good opportunity to cause some chaos here because, again, Ottawa's not good, even on the road. Philadelphia on the road should be a winnable game, although the Flyers can be kind of dangerous, especially shorthanded with Kevin Hayes, apparently. And then Buffalo is just in total freefall. I mean, the Sabres are so bad, it's... I don't even know if I can put it into words. They're, like, one of the worst teams in the NHL, and yet... Somehow the the Detroit Red Wings are even worse, and yet the Red Wings beat Buffalo, which tells you a lot. So things are not going good in Sabres land. Uh, Shout out to Dwayne on the radio call a couple of weeks ago. I can tell you, Dwayne, Jets fans have been feeling a couple of moments where you've expressed uh, a similar anger, although maybe not in such a ranting form, but we know how you feel. From there, the schedule gets noticeably harder to wrap up the end of February. We've got Washington twice, which is pretty brutal because... It's the Caps, man. Even on the road or at home, Caps are probably going to win at least one of those games. And then we have Edmonton on the road to wrap the month up. These next three weeks will decide whether or not Winnipeg makes the playoffs. And I feel like there's enough there for at least standings points that the Jets should be able to make it. If they can't, if they start stumbling and lose to these teams, yeah, Winnipeg really doesn't deserve a playoff berth, no matter what. But some part of me has a weird amount of confidence that the Jets are going to find a way to pull through especially if they continue playing as they have been in recent times. I really think that they can do it, and it'd be great to to see them make the playoffs. I don't want to see them miss because this window of them being competitive and having this current core together will not last forever. They need to make the most of it while they still can, and, you know, let's see if uh, some of the kid defensemen who come in next month or the following month can make a difference and help this team get through a stretch run. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you tonight. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.